0: there, RCC family. Welcome to RCC at Home. My name's Natasha. We love
1: that you get to be a part of our church family through social media. That being said, we want to know who you are and how you're doing. So after you finish watching the service today, go fill out a red card on rccsunday.com and let us know how you're doing, who you are, how long you've been watching, and kind of what's going on in life. Right now at RCC, we kicked off our backyard of Bible studies, and there are over 100 people meeting in a Groups around Ripon
0: and local areas to grow in their faith and build community. If you're at all interested in that, there'll be a link in the description box below. Right now, we're jumping into a brand new series called Cancel Culture. Check it out. Hi there my name is mike i'm one of the pastors here at rcc and thanks for joining me today at rcc at home today we begin a whole new series for the summer that we're calling cancel culture and i'm not sure are are you familiar with that phrase cancel culture it's a big deal these days it's kind of a newer term but but these days you're seeing it everywhere you're hearing it everywhere And if you're not familiar with it, what it basically means in our culture today is that if someone can do or say something currently or even in their past, and it might offend someone or they don't like it, and that person gets canceled. In a sense, if it's a movie star or a musician, no one will watch their movies or go to their concerts. If it's a regular person like you or I, people don't want to talk to you. People don't want to associate with you. People don't want to go into your business. In a sense, they're canceling you. That's cancel culture these days. But this summer, as we talk about cancel culture as a sermon series for RCC, what we're really talking about is a study of the Bible book of Colossians. That's because Colossians is a tremendous summary of the entire Bible, and it's highlighted by what is true about Jesus and how that truth should direct our entire lives, instead of letting culture direct our lives, what's happening in today's society, instead of that directing your lives, instead how God's truth in following Jesus, how that can direct your lives, and how that's so much better for us when we do that. Now, the key passage for this entire summer is found in Colossians chapter 2. In chapter 2, verse 12, you'll see this. It says, "...for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized." Now, first of all, I just want to stop for a second, because there's an assumption there. Paul is the writer of Colossians, and there's an assumption there that if you're a follower of Jesus, you've been baptized. Now, lots of times for people, that means they were baptized as babies, because our parents love us. and, And when we're born, our parents want us to grow close to God one day. And that's beautiful these days, but that's not what it meant in Jesus' time. See, in Jesus' time, when someone was baptized, it meant that they themselves had said they had faith in Jesus. They had become a follower of Jesus. And a sign of that was then to be baptized. So it always was after someone said they have faith. It wasn't when they were a baby. It's when, when you're old enough to say you have faith yourself. That's what we do here at RCC, and we'll be doing it again this summer. About 700 people so far have been baptized at RCC, and we'll be doing it this summer, the first Sunday of August. So if you're interested in that at all, Please, just email Pastor Sam, and he'll get you all set up. He'll talk you through it, and you you can decide if it's right for you or not. But there's this assumption in Scripture that when someone becomes a follower of Jesus, they do choose to get baptized. So I encourage you to do that. The verses continue, though. It says, And with him you were raised to a new life because you trusted the mighty power of God. So that's trusting God. That's trusting Jesus. And that's what gives you a new life. And then it says you were dead because of your sins. And then God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all of our sins. He canceled, there's the word, he canceled the record that contained the charges against us. He took it and destroyed it by nailing it to Christ's cross. That's our core verse for this summer. But you see, this word canceled as as involved with culture. You see, the common thought in culture isn't what we just read from scripture. That's not the common thought in culture these days, all around the world, in America, all over the world. That's not the common thought. The common thought in culture is that we have to earn God's love, that we have to prove to God that we're good enough to someday deserve heaven. You see, all that is canceled. That type of thinking has been canceled by God in Scripture for you and for me and for all of us. It was canceled by Jesus through his teaching, through his actions, and, for, and through his death on the cross and his resurrection. Culture was canceled at that cross. And throughout this book, you're going to see that there are so many practical life applications in, in Colossians about how, how God's thoughts and directions for us are different from what we see in culture. how to to handle tough times, who Jesus is, growing as a Christian person, God's love, relationships, forgiveness, living wisely, marriage, parenting, attitudes at work, and so much more. It's all there in Colossians. Now, the reason this letter was originally written is because Paul, the the writer of the letter, he had heard uh, of false teaching going on in Colossae. That's, That's the town they lived in. That's where this church was. He had heard about false teaching, cultural teaching going on there, just like it's going on these days all over the world. So this letter was to help people who follow Jesus combat that false teaching. Paul's kind of setting the record straight according to God. You see, their situation then was pretty much like ours today. There were lots of people going all over the place, all around, teaching all sorts of different stuff. And it was hard for people, even people that were trying to follow Jesus, to figure out what was true. Just like today, right? It's happening all over today. And it can be hard for me or for you. I think it can be hard sometimes to, to figure out what's true or not or what God wants or not. People back then struggled with the same things that we struggle with today. What's true? What's not true? What's good for me? What's not good for me? That, that came to mind just in this last week for me. Uh, I was talking to a friend and they were saying, how much they like chili cheese Fritos. It was an interesting conversation for me. They were all into him and how much they liked him and stuff. And for me, not so much. Chili cheese Fritos, like if you open the bag, they smell really good to me. They really do. It's like, hmm, that's good. I want that. But I don't like them. I don't like them. However, I eat them because of the smell. It smells good. I know I don't like chili cheese fritos, but every time I think, hmm, maybe there's something here I could like. But then I eat them, and every single time, they just taste too strong for me. And there's this horrible aftertaste with them, and you have bad breath for the rest of the day if you eat them. But I sometimes keep on eating them, even after I've decided that they're not good for me. Do you have anything like that? Maybe, maybe it's a snack like mine, but, but something you, you, you kind of know is bad for you or you don't really like, but you just keep eating it anyways. And like with Chili Cheese Fritos, once you have one or two, you kind of just keep eating them. I, I, for me, at least. I'll say for me. I'm not sure if you have anything like that. But sometimes you already know something's bad for you, but you keep doing it anyways. If it's not some kind of food, maybe it's Facebook. The whole world knows. Every survey shows, all research shows that Facebook actually brings you down. If you spend a lot of time on Facebook, you generally end up in a worse mood. That's because it studies would show that's because people share their like best meal ever and there's pictures of it or are their vacations or their highlights of the week. And then you're kind of scrolling through Facebook and you're comparing it to your life and it, it doesn't measure up. And so you you get down. You you don't get excited. Instead you feel bad about yourself or depressed or whatever. Or maybe jealous because other people are doing things you wish you were doing. Or or maybe it's the breaking news. Like it's always breaking news these days. It's always called breaking news. Every 30 minutes there's this breaking news. And you know that if you listen to it, there's going to be this negativity. And you're going to get frustrated by what's in the news or angry about what's in the news. But you just keep consuming this negativity all the time. You're You're like stuck on it. Sadly, you become what you eat. If you eat negativity, you become negative. And over the last year and a half, anxiety levels have gone up for all groups of people. All groups of people throughout the United States would report anxiety levels have risen in the last year and a half. Since COVID, right? Except one. Except one group of people. Do you know who that is? Do you know who the one group of people is? It's those who attend church regularly. That research was done by the Barna Group. You see, Culture changes daily, but truth is timeless. Let me, let me give you an example of that. Parents love their children, right? Parents love their children. Parents have always loved their children. Parents love their children. I love my children. But parenting styles change. This week, uh, school's out for the summer here in Ripon. School's out for the summer. And generally when there's a big thing at school, with the schools like school's out or the first day of school or something like that, my oldest son always reminds me of one of his stories. You see, when he was off to kindergarten, there was a day or two days before the, the first day of school where you went and saw the classroom, and met the teacher. and I did that with him, and it, and it was great. And then a day or two later, they have the first day of kindergarten. So on the first day of kindergarten, I I pull up to the driver's circle there. And the doors are wide open. There's a teacher at the door waving the kids in. So I I tell my boy, go ahead and jump out of the car and go on in, which he did. And I thought everything was fine. There was a teacher at the door to greet him. His classroom was literally like 20 feet inside the door. We had just been there like the day before. And and I drop him off. What I didn't know for a while later was he had a horrible time. I dropped him off, he went in and he got lost in the school building and was upset and crying and teachers had to help him find his room, and he, and he brings that up sometimes. Like He teases me about like what I should have done that day, like all the other parents who walked their kid into the classroom. Except for me, culture had changed. You see, when I went to kindergarten, I walked to kindergarten. Back then, everyone walked to kindergarten, it was blocks and blocks and blocks. We all walked and that's just what you did. Um, Maybe my mom was a little nervous that I couldn't find my way. You know what she did? My mom gave a first grader, I was a kindergartner, my mom gave a first grader a nickel to walk with me in the morning just to make sure I didn't get lost on the way to school. Do you know what you could buy for a nickel back then? Nothing. Nothing. Culture changes. Parenting styles change. The value of money changes. Values themselves change. But parents' love does not. Parents' love does not. Parents have loved their children right from the beginning, just like we do now. And you know what? True is true as well. Truth doesn't change. And God sees himself as your loving Father. That's how he sees himself, who only shares truth with you. Now, with that said, let's take a look at this book of Colossians. We're going to start in Colossians chapter 1, verse 1, and this is what it says. This letter is from Paul, chosen by God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and from our brother Timothy. It was written to God's holy people in the city of Colossae, who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you grace and peace. We always pray for you, and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard that you trust in Christ Jesus and that you love all of God's people. You do this because you're looking forward to the joys of heaven, as you have been ever since you first heard the truth of this good news. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It's changing lives everywhere, just as it changed yours. That very first day you heard and understood the truth about God's great kindness to sinners. There is so much good stuff in there, so many sermons. This could be the longest sermon ever. It could be a whole series of sermons just on those few verses. This is exciting stuff for me as a pastor. I mean, the first verse, chosen by God, we're going to come back to that in a minute. The second verse, written to God's holy people in the city of Colossae. See, there was this church, right, in Colossae, where where I said this this bad teaching was going on. But but this town, to to give you a little bit of background, a little bit of understanding, this is a town where many Jewish people had settled 200 years earlier, after they fled persecution. It was in a Roman province, what what is now modern-day Turkey, and it was written in about 60 A.D. Paul actually wrote this book, or this letter to this church, from a prison in Rome. He was in prison when he wrote it. Now, that's that's just the beginning, right? You go to verse 4. It says, Heard that you trust in Christ Jesus and that you love all of God's people. Heard that you trust Jesus and love God's people. I don't know if you're aware, but that's how you know someone's a Christian person. That's how you know someone is a Christian person. Those are the signs of people whose records have been canceled by the cross according to God. Those are people that said, I believe in Jesus. I believe he died on the cross. I believe he rose again. And I believe that through my faith in him, I have a right relationship with God now and forever. That's what that means. And we'll come back to that soon as well. Verse 5, the joys of heaven. That's great. What The joys of heaven. Aren't you curious? What are the joys of heaven? How do you get the joys of heaven? You must be curious. And I hope this summer you develop a passion for truth, a curiosity for God's truth, a passion to find out what it is. See, that's part of the reason why we're doing this series. I want you to read along this summer. Read through the book of Colossians with us as we teach. Read it over and over. It's a short book. You can read it multiple times. Because if you know Colossians, you'll know God's truth and what to do about it. Any of these verses today would be awesome to focus on, and, and I'd love you to do that. Uh, you get in a backyard summer Bible study here at church. You can email Pastor Sam about that. Get in one of those studies and study all the verses. You can do your own personal devotions, like I said, by just reading through the Bible yourself. You could become an expert in the book of Colossians this summer. But but verse 6 is the one I've been super excited about to talk about since last October. This this series, was uh, the beginning of it was planned last October, and since then I've been excited about Colossians chapter 1 verse 6. This this is what it says in Colossians chapter 1 verse 6. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It's changing lives everywhere just as it changed yours. That very first day you heard and understood the truth about God's great kindness to sinners. Uh, there, There were these words, these important words. This same good news this same good news. What is this? What, what, what is this good news he's, he's referencing? right. What is the good news? Well, sometimes it's called the gospel. And essentially what that means is what I've already said. This good news is that God's own son, Jesus, came to earth, and he lived a perfect life. And then he sacrificed that life for you. He took on uh, the, the penalty for our sins. He took on that and sacrificed it for you. And then he rose again to overcome death for you and for I, that simply by our faith in him, our, our desire to follow him, we can be made right with God. That we don't earn it like culture says. Like people say you have to be good enough for God, or God's always angry. That, that's just not true. Instead, Jesus changed all of that for us. And that should be good news. That is the truth about God's great kindness to sinners. It references that, right? God's great kindness to sinners is that there's no punishment for sinners. There's forgiveness for sinners when you follow his son, Jesus. And then it says, that truth is changing lives everywhere. That's what God says in scripture for us. That his truth, that the truth of Jesus is changing lives everywhere. It was 2,000 years ago, and it still is today, all over the world. And that's what we're all about here at RCC. Change lives. We are about changed lives, to to go from rejected to accepted, to go from hopeless to faithful, to go from directionless to purposeful, from alone to love, from guilty to forgiven, from selfish to giving, from worried to peaceful, from judgmental to accepting. And the reason we're about changed lives is because that's what God in the Bible tells us we should be about as a people, as individuals, and also as a church. You see, in 2 Corinthians, he lays it out for us. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. What this means is that those who become Christians become new persons. They're not the same anymore. For the old life is gone, and a new life has begun. You see, changed lives, right? A new life has begun for anyone who follows Jesus. So let me ask you, has this gospel, has this good news changed you? Has it? How? Your actions? I hope so. Not just by knowledge. Not just by reading the Bible. That's not enough. In Jesus' time, there were religious experts called Pharisees, and they knew scriptures from front to back. They had knowledge, yet they were far from God, and they did not trust Jesus. Now, if you remember, when I read it earlier, I said in verse 4, it said um, that, that Paul had heard about these people's trust in Christ Jesus, and he heard that they loved all of God's people would Paul say that same changed-life type of comment about you? Can God see your trust in Jesus and love for others in your actions? You see, when a person becomes a Christian by choosing to trust and follow Jesus, their entire life should begin to change. This doesn't mean that they, they dress differently or drive a new car or change their hairstyle, even though I wish that were true, right? It'd be great if you got this new amazing hairstyle. But it doesn't mean that. Instead, it means they should begin to look at themselves and life from God's perspective, not cultures, not what you see in the news, not what you hear around. Instead, that you find out what God thinks and how God directs, and you would reorient your life to that. It means we need to cancel our desire to match our thoughts and actions to whatever today's culture would state, and instead make following Jesus' teaching and his example for us our priority. Then everything else changes. From everything, it it all changes. From from how we treat an enemy, to to how we spend our money, to how we invest our time here on earth, to how we love others. You see, that's having a biblical worldview versus a cultural worldview. We need to be open to the changes God wants us to make in, in, in our thoughts and in our actions, because you and I, we are chosen by God. Do you remember verse 1, how I started? I said I'd come back to it. Here it is. Chosen by God. Chosen by God. Wait a minute. Give me a break. Paul? Paul said he was chosen by God. People must have struggled with that comment when he wrote it. Maybe you don't know this, but, but Paul, before becoming a Christian, what he did was torture, kill, and imprison Christian people. So for Paul to say, I'm chosen by God, must have been really hard to take back then. It's not really any different than now though, right? Like I, I could say that for me. if I said I was chosen by God to be a pastor or to teach the Bible, people that I grew up with in high school and in college and, and maybe even now would say, Mike, chosen by God, come on. He's not nearly good enough to be chosen by God. And you know what? Right? And you know what? They're right. My daily prayer basically every single day is, God, help me be the man you want me to be." I'm not special. Paul wasn't special either. He's he's famous. But he himself didn't make him special. God choosing him made him special. And you are chosen by God. Do you believe that? That you're chosen by God? What do you think? Are you chosen by God? When I ask people that in my office, I've been here many, many years now, when people come into my office and I say, are you chosen by God? What do you think? Sometimes people say, well, no, I'm not a follower of Jesus. And then I say, why not? And sometimes they say, I don't know. And, and, and frankly, that's just not good enough. It's not good enough to spend your whole life not really knowing if you believe in Jesus or not. It's just not good enough. You owe it to yourself to decide if you really believe or you don't. So that's one response. The other response is this. Well, I don't know if I'm chosen by God. I, I know I believe in Jesus, but, but my past has certain things in it, or my current has certain things in it, and, and I don't know if God could really choose me or use me. But what we see here from Paul and all throughout the Bible is this. Unlikely people are chosen by God. And you're chosen too. That's what he says. That's what God says about you. You're chosen by him. Even amidst your failures and your mistakes and your insecurities, the things you wonder about, your lack of faith even at times, you're still chosen by God. All you have to do is respond, respond to the good news of Jesus, follow Jesus. That's all that's expected. You see, Paul was chosen by God to teach, that's clear. You might be chosen by God to I don't know, run your own company and then use the prophets to further God's kingdom. Or, or you might be chosen by God to be a living example of faith at, at school or at work or, or even when you're surrounded by people who don't believe yet. You can be the person who lives like they believe. You could be chosen by God for that, something as simple as that just to show your faith in simple ways at work. We've all been chosen by God, and we all have something that he wants us to do. But here's the real question. I know you must be thinking it. How can you tell what God wants you to do? How can you tell? Well, here you go. First, you have to make a decision about what's true once and for all. Are God's words true in Scripture? Is the gospel true? Is Jesus real? Is Jesus true? You have to decide. You get to decide. I get to decide. God lets us all decide for ourselves. But that's a decision that must be made. Either God is true and Jesus is true or he's not. It's not somewhere in between. And then, once you know what is true, you can identify what is counterfeit. I don't know if you know this, but counterfeit bills... You see, counterfeit bills are a deal in society and there's specialists who figure out what's counterfeit and what's not. And here's what you may not know. Counterfeit specialists, they they don't study fake money. They study the real thing to see what the real thing looks like. And by knowing what the real thing looks like, they're able to detect what's, what's not right or what's wrong with counterfeit. Colossians teaches us to study, to learn, to focus on what is truth. So that we'll know when culture tells us fake or untrue or counterfeit information. So I want you to commit yourselves right now. I want you to commit yourselves to studying the Bible book of Colossians with me this summer. You can read it again and again and again. It's only four chapters long. You can read it again and again and again. Study it this summer. Decide if God's word is true or not this summer for you. And then... See if knowing and living by God's truth makes a better life for you or not. Because it is your life, and it is your choice. God lets you choose. And I'm I'm challenging you to choose him, to choose God, to choose choose Jesus. And see if that choice doesn't give you a better life or not. With that, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask God to help me and to help you focus this summer. Focus on, on, on finding out answers from him. Finding his truth in our lives and then living like it. So if you want to pray that along with me, go ahead and bow your heads right now. Dear Lord, thank you for, for sharing and then preserving your truth in scripture for us for all of these years against all odds. Thank you. Lord, this summer I ask you to help me and anyone who's praying with me right now to be inspired to explore your truth, to find out what you say is true, and then reorient first our thinking, and then our actions to your truth, to see the world not as culture sees the world from day to day, but to see the world and ourselves timelessly like you do. And then Lord, to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
1: Second Corinthians 9.6 says that God loves a cheerful giver. It goes on to say that when you are generous with others, he will be generous with you. When we look at all that God has given us like it's it's a gift, it it changes the way we see what we have. It can actually then be a joy to give it back to him because we're grateful for what he's given to us. You also need to know that when you're generous with your finances here at RCC, you're not only honoring God, but you're also helping to support the mission and ministries of RCC. RCC. The easiest way for you to give would be to simply visit rccsunday.com. From, from there, you can set up a reoccurring gift. It can be weekly or monthly. It can be through your bank account or a debit card or a credit card. Also, feel free to drop off a check at our downtown location at 155 State Street. There's a mail slot in the front entrance, and you can drop it off right there. Keep up the awesome work, and remember to be the church this week.